But Dr. Zaretsky is here uh, from Jews for Jesus. He's going to, you know, why don't you come on up? He and his wife, Ellen, have actually, we, my wife, Wendy, and I have had the blessing of having him stay with us this weekend, and it's uh, just been awesome. Yeah, come on up. And um, getting to know personally a little bit more, and just he's been here before at the church to share about Jesus and the Old Testament, particularly this morning we want to lift him up in prayer as he teaches and brings a word to us. So, we, Lord, we just thank you for... For Tuvia, Lord, and, and for his wife, Ellen, for his family, uh, Lord, we know that uh, what we give up for you is small in comparison to what you give out to us. And, Lord, with, with discipleship comes cost, and I know that uh, my brother here has suffered cost for his faith, but, Lord, you're good, you're faithful, and you have a word for us today through the lips of our brother, and we thank you for bringing him today, and we pray for not only this morning, but for this evening, as he teaches us your word, may you just speak through him to our hearts. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Love you, dude. Thank you, brother. Thanks, James. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's so good to be with you. And I know the hearts of Calvary's, and I know that God raises up people from this body to serve him. And so I'm glad to be here with, with Alvin and Doriana. And, and so many of you, um, Ernesto going to Israel here very shortly with a, with a team from AEBM. I'm praying this, this morning that some here might find the call to be a missionary in your neighborhood and your friends. This is not about special people, heroes up here and everybody out there as just an audience. We're all in this together. Amen. Why don't you see just a short little three-minute video of what's going on with the ministry of Jews for Jesus around the world. I'm going to come back and tell you how you can pick up some resources to help you minister right here. Grant, you want to show a little video? Jesus seemed like he could be the Messiah, but I'm Jewish. The person said to me, have you ever heard of Jews for Jesus? As a Jewish person, when I started to follow Jesus, people would question if you're still Jewish, if you believe in Jesus. What I wish someone had told me when I first came to faith in Jesus is that I could have a thriving Jewish identity and a thriving faith in Jesus together and not have to choose between the two. The reality is, all of the first believers in Jesus were Jewish. They saw him as the promise of the Messiah. I want to invite you to join Jews for Jesus as we relentlessly pursue God's plan for the salvation of the Jewish people. Most Jewish people in the world have never heard the gospel, and together we get to change that. You make it possible for me as a missionary to engage with not yet believing Jewish people and to tell them that God loves them. And in a sense, it's not really us doing it, it's him doing it. We're just the ones who are carrying the message. Go and tell. That's what Jews for Jesus is best known for. It's that proclamation of the gospel out on the streets, meeting one-to-one. Come and see. And that is where we invite Jewish people to come into an environment, a community, a small group, a Bible study. And they can see the dynamic of a vibrant community of Jewish believers in Jesus. Love and serve. There's so many needs. And so we go out there lovingly feeding people, even as Jesus fed and met needs. And it opens people up to the gospel. 
through your support, we can show Jewish people how beautiful God is, how beautiful Jesus is, and how beautiful the gospel is. Every week around the world, Jews for Jesus welcomes new Jewish brothers and sisters into the family of Messiah. I'm so thankful for people like you who love the Jewish people and want them to see who Jesus is. If your heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, you're going to find yourself loving the same things that God loves. You're going to enter into His passion for His people. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that we've been waiting for. All that the Jewish prophets have talked about, all that God has spoken to us, every Jewish person deserves to hear the truth about Jesus. We found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Come and see. My ministry today is working with Jewish Gentile couples. That's that's uh, the key audience that God has called me to. And in that case, I know that there are many, many people today in the body of Christ who have Jewish people who are marrying into their families, maybe married to Jewish people. A lot of the people you saw on the screen who are our missionary staff now are from intermarried families. God has changed the, the demographic makeup of the Jewish community in North America, and we really want to mobilize the body of Christ. That's you guys. And I hope you'll, you'll find, if God is pulling on your heartstrings today, I hope you'll, you'll look for ways to, to partner with us. There are a couple things that, that you can do. One is, next slide you'll see a, um, a black QR code. Um, that's, um, Ellen's got that at the back table. Um, if you take a picture of that t- this morning or tonight, you can get some of the resources that we, we offer through our headquarters. Um, there's lots of material on the Connect table out back. And if you'd like to pick up, I'm going to be talking about the Feast of Israel this morning. This is a little handout. You can pick one of those up for free out there. Um, but there's lots of books uh, that are related to that so that you can talk to other people about it. If you'd like to know more about Jews for Jesus and connect with us, next slide is, is the, a blue QR code that you can use to connect with Jews for Jesus. Uh, and if you um, take a picture of that when you're headed out, you can do it now if you want to, but you can get it at the table just as easily. Uh, and also tonight, we'll be glad to send you the information. I'm um, this last week working with um, our staff in Israel uh, they're, they've sent a team from Israel up to uh, Poland. And we have a, a squad of about six people who are based just outside of Krakow on the border. They've been carrying supplies into the border to our Ukrainian staff from Kiev and from um, all the way down in Odessa. We're bringing supplies and resources to them, and then we're filling up a van each time with refugees that they brought out. They were then bringing up to, to Krakow and uh, sending them out to um, our workers over in Berlin uh, and back to Israel. So it's been, it's been a really, the last couple of weeks have been very, very, very intense. Ask your prayers for, for the, the group that's there. If you'd like to know more about it, you can fill out, uh, get a picture of that uh, QR code and get, and get and connect with Jews for Jesus. There's also a way to connect with us with a sign-up sheet uh, and get a map of Israel while we're at it. Anyway, you can see that uh, out on the table. That's, that's what is happening with us, and it's a, a pretty exciting time of life for all of us. Um, and if you'd like to join with us, I hope you'd, God would put that on your heart. These are difficult days. They're difficult times for, for everyone. And um, sometimes it's important to be reminded of God's presence with us and the fact that he hasn't, he hasn't abandoned us. 
The world is not out of his control. And he is with us, and he has a plan. This morning, I want to take a look at the, the Feast of Israel. And uh, this morning, I'll be talking about all the festivals. The, the background picture there is for tonight. That'll be Christ and the Passover, which is one of the upcoming festivals. All of these are based in the book of Leviticus. And if you've ever wondered, why did God put Leviticus in the Bible? You're going to find out this morning. We are people who need reminders. Everyone needs to be reminded at all times. We get distracted by the cares of this world, the trials of this world, the sorrows of this world, death, suffering, and we forget that there's tremendous hope and that there is a plan actively involved in what God is doing in the world. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't left us here with no, no help or hope. And this morning, I want, to, I want to show you what God gave to my people, Israel, to lift us up at a time that we were nothing but slaves. For 400 years, our nation grew enslaved in the land of Egypt. We never had an army. We never had a government. We never had a legislature. We never had anyone to speak up on our behalf, except God who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That he had a plan that he gave to Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, to raise up a people and a land and a name for Abraham to bring a blessing to all the nations of the earth. That blessing never changed. That promise never changed. The coming of Jesus never changed. While well, my people were enslaved for 10 generations. And God came to us at a time when we knew nothing but slavery and brought us out. And planted us in a land that he promised he would give to us, a land that was the halfway point on the land, on the way to the land of flowing with milk and honey. And while we were there in that desert, he began to teach us how to relate to him and how to know him. That's why he gave us Leviticus. That's why he gave us the words in Leviticus chapter 23 to tell us about the festivals of Israel. And it starts in Leviticus 23 verses 1 and 2. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, The Lord's appointed times which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. And so he gave us celebrations. He gave us festivals embedded in our calendar that coordinated with the agricultural seasons. We didn't have any land yet. We didn't have any crops yet. We still had 40 years of, of uh, transition in the, the desert to go through. And yet he embedded this in our calendar, and we're still observing these things today. As reminders, God has a plan, a blessing for all the nations. He will never leave you. He will always be with you. And he is in control. He is in control, no matter how things look. So he gave these, these festivals to us. We're going to examine all of them, all seven of them, in just a few minutes. But it begins with a key, and I want you to, don't miss this key. It opens up everything else for us, and it's in verses two, uh, verse 3, where he says to us, opening of this chapter, For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Shabbat, a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. Sabbath, Shabbat is a key. It helps us understand everything else about the festivals and living with the Lord. 
Sabbath simply means rest. A lot of people think, okay, so rest means you start to, to take a day off. Um, and it's true. God loves work, and he, he says rest from that work is important. But the message of Shabbat, the message of, of Sabbath, goes deeper than just the need for physical rest. Because it says, um, what people ask me all the time, what, what's the right day to keep Sabbath? And this is a kind of a controversy in some churches. Um, you know, is, is it Saturday and that's the only day that we should be celebrating rest? Is it Sunday? This is the Lord's day, so it's a day of rest. You know, in the early church, it was always, always the Shabbat, which isn't just Saturday. It starts on Friday night at sundown, according to the Jewish calendar, goes all the way over it's Friday night now through Saturday, and Saturday evening, boom, we're back into the regular week. I love living in Israel. Uh, Ellen and I have, have worked there as part of our, our Tel Aviv work. Uh, it was always wonderful on Friday afternoon as everything began to shut down. And the land and the people took a rest. Even the buses stopped. The trains stopped running. Uh, movie theaters closed. That was <laughs> restaurants, a lot of the restaurants closed. But it gave us a chance to think about resting on that day. But it's not about the day. It's about the who. We're called to rest as God rested from his labor. We read in Exodus chapter 31, verse 17, it's a sign between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So is it important to rest because God rested from his labor because God was tired, sweaty, you know, worn out? Is that why he stopped creating on the, the end of the sixth day? Did he get up in the morning and goes, oh, I got creator's block. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> no. Actually, it says he looked out at everything, and he said it's tov, actually all week long, as he's making each the sky, the, the seas, the animals. He said it's tov me'od. It's very good when he saw humanity. You and me, our kind, created in his image. Image bearers to inhabit this earth, to have dominion over it, to be fruitful and multiply. Tov me'od. It's just the way I want it. People with free will, even with the possibility of turning our backs on him, even rejecting his grace. But he called on us to rest in him as he rested from his labors. So how did he rest from his labors? If everything was the way he wanted, it was, it was his plan, it was what he, he expected, he rested in himself, in his sufficiency. And that's what he asks you and me to do to rest in his sufficiency for all things. I had a friend who used to say, with some irony, you know, the way I'm, I'm so neurotic, um, my life is kind of like, why, why pray when I can worry? Anybody else here like that? Yeah. No, God said, rest in him and his sufficiency even as he rested from his creation effort. And that's the key to all of this. It's not about a D-day. It's not about... Friday or Saturday? What's the best day of the week to rest in the Lord's sufficiency? Not rhetorical. Every day. Is Monday a good day to do that, to rest in the Lord? Is Wednesday a good day to do that? Every day, all times, in every ways. And so that was God's plan. 
That's his way of reminding us that he's always with us and that he's in control. To rest in the Lord and to trust in him. So that's the key. Now he lays out these festivals for us, and it begins in, it, it uh, is re- repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, where we read about three main uh, festivals, seasons, or pilgrimage festivals, at which time we were supposed to go to the city of Jerusalem with a holy temple, the, the tabernacle was sitting, and he says, three times a year you shall, you must, uh, your men must re- appear before the Lord your God at the place he has chosen, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So three times a year we were supposed to go to the city of Jerusalem and have a festival to remember something about God. And the next slide we see that there are, are seven festivals altogether, but they're broken up into three groups. Uh, on the left side are the top three, the festivals of the springtime, uh, Passover, Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits. I'll be talking about those tonight. That's up my focus with Christ in the Passover tonight. I want you to see the connection between Jesus and those festivals. Fifty days later, we were to come back to the city of Jerusalem one more time and celebrate the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Shavuot, or the churches called it Pentecost for 50, the 50 days between Passover and the Feast of Weeks. We'll get to the meaning of that in a few minutes. And then in the fall, there is an in-gathering festival uh, it was the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, and there are three festivals uh, involved with that, all of them in the, the first two in the preparation for celebrating that, but the key is, is to keep it. You know what? It's impossible to keep all th- three of these festivals perfectly now because they were supposed to be held at the temple. The first temple was destroyed in 586 B.C., rebuilt by Ezra and Nehemiah, and then comes along uh, the, the Greeks who tried to, to tear that down. And then you had Herod rebuilding it at the time of Jesus. And then that was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. The temple has not stood since that time. So there's no way to keep these festivals in perfection. There's a longing in the, the people of Israel to see that rebuilt. But there was the, the story there was a very simple, important picture of fellowship with God, because God has said throughout the scriptures, and here's why that temple was so important, why the pictures laid out in Leviticus are so important, because God has said to his people Israel and to you and me as the body of believers today, the remnant in the world today that loves God through his Messiah, Jesus, he says, I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of you. It's a three-part formula. I learned this from my Old Testament theology professor. I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of you. And there's a picture of the, a depiction of what the, the tabernacle looked like. That was the ultimate reminder. God has a plan. It's eternal. God will be with us always. And God is in control every day, no matter what is happening around us. Keep those, those the three-part Festival that uh, three-part formula in mind. Well, the spring festivals, as I said, we'll be talking about tonight. That's Passover, the Feast of Redemption, uh, the Unleavened Bread Festival, where we eat only matzah or unleavened bread, and the Feast of First Fruits, which is a, a promise of transformation. Those are wonderful festivals. It's a, a terrific time, and, and I, I hope you'll be able to come back tonight because that festival promised the coming of a Redeemer Jesus, 
who kept that festival with his disciples. And much of the New Testament Gospels describe the Passover celebrations that Jesus kept. I'm going to be reading through one of those. If you want to read Luke 22 today, come back tonight and just see what Jesus had his hands on and what he was saying to his disciples that reflected what they they were doing. Passover became for us a reminder that God is with us. He has redeemed us. He has transformed us. He has come to fulfill the messianic promises of that Savior. And in Luke 22, 7 and 8, it says, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat that Passover. And so uh, we'll see how that all unfolds uh, as we share that tonight. But we're going to come to the Lord's table at the end of my message this morning. And when we do, just keep in mind, all of that came from the Jewish celebration of Passover because Jesus gave it to his disciples who gave it to their disciples who gave it to us eventually. So, picking back up in Leviticus 23, we read about Pentecost, uh, verses 15 through 16. From the day after the Sabbath that is in Passover that comes a Saturday, the day that you brought the shafe of the wave offering at the end of Passover, the Feast of First Fruits, count off seven full weeks, count off 50 days up until the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. It gets confusing with the 50 days and when they they wave the, the offering. The important thing to remember is God will complete Everything that he promised to fulfill. Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, he fulfilled it. Genesis 12.3, the blessing to all the nations of the earth, he has fulfilled it. We are living in the fulfillment of those prophecies. We are the recipients of that. And he's asked us to continue to take that message out to other people. And the festival of of Shavuot was to, to be a time of celebration. Celebration for what God has done because he promised it way back there. Now, today the rabbis, because they can't do that, have, uh, have looked for ways to, um, to celebrate the feast. They say that the, the, the Torah was given on uh, Mount Sinai on Pentecost. I'll tell you what, the important thing is, is to read um, in the New Testament, uh, Acts 2, 1 through 5, you know, this wonderful picture. This is a Pentecost, and I'm just reading some of the verses from this. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty wind, a rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And this is the disciples who'd come to the, to the temple on this festival. Jesus had promised them, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes from on high to empower you. And, and divided tongues as of uh, fire ascended to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues in the, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout from every nation under heaven. Alban, Doria, Doriana, I was so glad to hear the reference to uh, the Apostle Paul's bringing the gospel into that region. For there were Jews at this time at that, at that Shavuot, that uh, Feast of Pentecost, that Feast of Weeks, who heard the gospel from the disciples, scattered out into, the, into Asia Minor and into Asia, 
and into North Africa and carried the gospel. And Paul began to discover them in synagogues and told them the rest of the story that the Messiah had come and the Holy Spirit had fallen on those, those early disciples and brought it to those communities. Brother, we're here today because of what happened back 2,000 years ago. Gentile, Jew, one new man together in the body of Christ. And he's called on all of us to keep taking that message out to the world and the community around us. In all the Central Coast, those of you who live here, you're the primary people now who he's empowered and asked to do that. And so we have that reminder um, to, to be involved in God's plan, to walk in the power of his Holy Spirit, to know that he's always with us, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And we come to the fall festivals that kind of tie all this together, the in-gathering festival in the fall. Every Asian country has a harvest festival. People forget that Israel is located in the continent of Asia. Much of our culture is Asian. And we have a harvest festival just like people as far away as China, Korea, Japan, and throughout the rest of the Middle East and the Far East. God called us in... Uh, um, there, you've got it up. Thanks, thanks, Grant. Uh, it starts with the, the blowing of the shofar. This is, this is an alarm clock. The, it was to tell us to start heading up to the city of Jerusalem. And so from the Temple Mount came this shofar blast that was echoed from village to village to city to city to country to country to the Jewish people in the diaspora to call them back to Jerusalem to meet at God's house and to celebrate two things. We'll see that in just a second. Two things about the Lord and his plan and promise. Second, on the way up to the city of Jerusalem, you just might be asking yourself, you know, I'm going to God's house. What if he's seen the way I behaved in my home or the way I've treated my children or the way I defrauded my neighbor? What if he's seen all this stuff? Of course he has. God promised the people, if you want to come to my house and you want to worship me, I'm going to do something for you once a year for every Israelite, for every sin that all of you have committed with a blood offering. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Forgiveness. Freely given. This is the gospel in the book of Leviticus. The promise that you can come to God's house, garments washed white as snow, and stand before God and be welcome into his presence. And then we show up into the city of Jerusalem for Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm going to read just a couple of verses here. Um, verse uh, Leviticus 23, 24. We read, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of complete rest, a holy convocation commemorated with the trumpet blasts. And then it goes on, verses um, 20, uh, 27. Uh, there's the, the story of the Day of Atonement. Now on the tenth day of this seventh month is the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You should deny yourselves and present to the Lord offerings by fire. But in the Holy of Holies, on that Ark of the Covenant, once a year, the priest would bring a blood offering and sprinkle it on top of the, the Ark of the Covenant. Inside were the, the elements of, of uh, God's promise, redemption, and, and presence with the people. And the cherubim, looking down upon the blood of the, the covenant, were there as the high priest brought that blood in and announced, by this blood are we cleansed. 
the sin offering promised in by Isaiah 50 years, uh, 750 years before Jesus in Isaiah 53, where he said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all, his life and offering for sin. I never knew this passage. Growing up in the synagogue, we never read it. As a matter of fact, during the uh, weekly readings, we would just skip over it. The rabbis found this to be too inconvenient. But then we come to the, to the festival of, of tabernacles and uh, there is a week-long celebration. Uh, we would come to the, to the tabernacle. We would bring meat offerings and drink offerings. And there's music being played by the Levitical priests. Uh, there were a joyous music and, and song. It's a party at God's house, a time of celebration. Grant, if we go to slide 18, I want people to see. Today, we set up these little uh, Sukkot, these little booths. And uh, in those little, little tab- tabernacles or booths, that's it, there are two messages that come through. Since we can't go to the temple, this is what we do. We set up these flimsy booths, and the two messages are, in the sukkah, we have fruit and vegetation. So the sukkah tells us that God wants to dwell with us and wants us to dwell with him. He wants to be our God. He wants us to be his people. He wants to make us fruitful. He wants to be with us always. Emmanuel. God with us. And the second thing, he wants to make us fruitful. For the Lord is our provider, Yahweh Yireh. We would praise his name and give thanks to God for all that he is and all that he has done. For he is the, the wellspring of salvation. You know, on that day of, of uh, at uh, Sukkot, in the temple, there would be a, a pouring out of water to give thanks to God for all the rain that provided the fruitfulness. I want you to see what, what happened here. Sometime I'll come back and tell you about Christ and the Feast of Tabernacles. But in John chapter 7, we're told on the last day of that festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus comes into the, the temple and standing there, he cries out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. By this, Jesus spoke of his Holy Spirit. That spirit lives inside of you and me if you believed in Jesus today. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will dwell in the midst of you is his message to us. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will dwell in the midst of you. Do you know that that truth and that blessing today? Are you walking with him? Have you found, have you experienced his forgiveness? Have you known his Redemption? Have you experienced his transformation? If you have, we're welcome to come to his, his table very shortly. But I want to encourage you to pray, to, to pray a very simple prayer. As a believer, in the midst of trying times and difficult moments, it's a real simple prayer. God, I trust you. Are you hurting today? Are you, are you looking at... Um, a loss of your home. I have friends that are down in the border with Krakow from Kiev who've lost their homes. They don't know where they're going back to. Their wives and children have left the country and the men from our work are still in bondage inside. They're crying out very simply, Lord, I trust you. Fill me and use me 
And there are Ukrainian Jews and Gentiles who are coming to faith in Jesus, even amidst all that's happening there. We have a lot to give thanks for and a lot to to praise him. Let's come to his table. Pastor James, I'm going to ask you to come up, and and as you do, I'm going to just just pray simply. Lord, we we are grateful. We're grateful. We trust you. We're thankful for all that you are, all that you've done. We're grateful that you are our God. We are your people. And you have chosen to dwell in the midst of us, even in our hearts, through your Holy Spirit. For it's in your name I pray. Amen.